program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You are a visionary. You have a vision. You just need to create it and bring it to life. Welcome to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with your host, Kate Ebner. Our program will be an hour of inspiration from leaders who are making their visions happen and will set you on the path to having a big impact through your leadership and the life you really want. Now here's your host, Kate Ebner. Good morning and welcome to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life. This is Kate. You know, today many companies have instituted efforts to address the problem that despite making up half of the workforce and leading in the attainment of education, women are still underrepresented in the top ranks of leadership at many public and private organizations. Often, committed companies will create women's networks, a leadership forum, mentorship programs, really um, often very um, innovative and even expensive programming to begin to engage women. But my guest today is here to challenge our thinking about the effectiveness of these measures in changing the gender composition in the C-suite. I'm very glad to be having this discussion this morning with Aviva Wittenberg-Cox. Good morning, Aviva. Good morning. For those who um, are tuning in, like me, to learn today from Aviva, I want to give you a little bit of her background. Uh, Aviva is the founder and CEO of the company 21st, one of the world's leading gender consultancies. 21st works with progressive companies to build gender bilingual organizations. I like that language. Aviva is the author of How Women Mean Business, a step-by-step guide to profiting from gender-balanced business, as well as the co-author of the best-selling Why Women Mean Business, Understanding the Emergence of Our next economic revolution. She has had articles, reviews, and interviews published in a variety of publications, including the Harvard Business Review, the International Herald Tribune, and the Financial Times. Aviva is the founder and honorary president of the European Professional Women's Network. She's been recognized by Elle magazine as one of the top 40 women leading change. Aviva has Canadian, French, and Swiss heritage, and she's joining us today from Paris. Aviva, thank you for being here. This is quite a... um, uh, uh, cross the Atlantic um, conversation we're having today. <laughs> My great pleasure. Uh, I want to start by introducing you um, even more personally, perhaps, um, to our listeners. Could you tell us a little bit about your background and what you did before you started 21st? Uh, absolutely. I'm a Canadian-born uh, French and Swiss nationality, and I have spent my youth in North America, my adult life in Europe, and working across the globe. I started out as a computer programmer uh, and then have already run a couple of businesses in more um, commu- corporate communications areas and coaching before I launched into the current company, which is 21st. I started about a decade ago. Thank you. And, you know, I'm curious about what you've noticed um, during this phase of your career, say the last 10 years since you started 21st, about gender imbalance in both organizations and also perhaps the way the market perceives this. 
I think there's been a total transformation in the last decade. I think if you look uh, 10 years past, this issue was spoken about a lot by women and among women in the women's media, um, in books written by women. And I think the big change of the last decade has been its move into the economic world, the business world, the business press, the media, uh, and is now keeps rising on the agenda of senior executive teams. Mm-hmm. Yes, you know, I've noticed that as well over the past decade, and it seems almost like we've been able to get our minds around the um, implications, perhaps, of, you know, women, uh, you know, rising in terms of educational levels, um, num- number in the workforce, and some of those other important uh, markers that have helped make it a more compelling case than ever for really investing in and understanding what it takes to advance women. I want to ask you why this topic is important to you personally, Aviva. What has caused you to take this on in such a huge way as your own you know, not just your own message, but your your business, your 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 stance. I think I grew up like a lot of women um, of my generation and the ones following me, thinking that this issue was totally history, obsolete, over. I had a powerful working mother, who um, I was you know very very proud of and um, very admiring of, and I I basically didn't see that there was any problems at all until quite later in my career, and it wasn't even in my own career, it was when I was running this professional women's network in Europe, and I heard over the course of a decade, thousands of women tell me the issues they were facing within their own corporate careers, and, um, you know, from, I, I went over that period from thinking it was over to thinking, my gosh, the, the journey is only half done, really. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And it's great to hear you talk about your mother, actually, and the the role model that she was for you. I have a similar uh, kind of a mother, and was very fortunate to be inspired by her and um, and her fortitude. I'm curious, you know, this topic of uh, 21st century leadership is one that I've spent a lot of time on in my uh, role as director of the Institute of Transformational Leadership at Georgetown. And we've been really looking at the forces influencing what it means to lead in this century. We know that the rise of women in the world is one of the biggest signals that the old models of leadership are changing. And it's clear to me that your work really recognizes this too. I guess my question is, could you just say a little bit about um, what's happened uh, that's that you know. What are some of the the things that in the twenty first century reality that that changed the world in terms of how we think about women and perhaps what's possible? I often think that the twentieth century was the rise of women, um, and that the twenty first century is the understanding and rise of men in respond and businesses in responding to the consequences of that rise. And I think it's pretty new for the mm-hmm. other half of the world to to really get that there has been such a major revolution that I think was often minimized as, you know, an interesting social movement among many. Um, I usually like to compare the rise of women with the rise of China. These are big, earth-shifting changes, uh, and particularly on gender, they affect every man, woman, and child on the planet, and we need to understand what those consequences are and how to manage them best. You know, this phrase, the rise of women, it's one that I find myself using, <laughs> and I know what I mean, but I want to just ask you what you mean when you talk about the rise of women. 
Well, I think, you know, in human history, we have never seen yet, uh, until only just recently, and even not quite fully, um, the leveling of the economic, social, and political power of both genders. Uh, that is something new in our species, um, and I think it's a it's an enormous shift that brings in you know a very different way of being in the world, and mm-hmm. we're only we, we don't exactly know what it's going to look like, but I think we're beginning to sense some of the uh, consequences of it. You know, I, I think you're right, and you've um, written a wonderful um, piece that I'm going to actually uh, pull from because you did a great job of synthesizing research about um, what's been happening in the world, and, and I just want to give a couple of those um, figures. So one thing is that as of 2010, and I remember this moment, women became the majority of the U.S. labor force, 51%. I know we kind of hover around there, but that was a, a significant um a significant moment we became the majority in the workforce. Uh, women now represent 60% of university graduates in developed and many developing countries. Women are making most of the purchasing decisions in everything from cars and computers to real estate and tourism. They're also the majority of internet users and dominate the leading social media websites. So this speaks to what you were just saying about the economic power um, that women are are holding. They start most of the new companies each year in the U.S., um, the number of wealthy women is growing twice as fast as the number of wealthy men in the United States. Women represent more than 40% of all Americans with gross investable assets above 600000 Interesting. 45% of American millionaires are women. 60% of high net worth women have earned their own fortunes. 80% of the jobs lost in the U.S. in the current recession were lost by men. Three quarters of the jobs created in Europe since the year 2000 were filled by women. Fortune 500 companies with more gender-balanced leadership teams outperform their peers financially. So all of these factors that you've written about so compellingly um, in, um, in, in your writing and in your work really, I think, I think clearly show us uh, some of the, what this shift is all about. And I, I want to I be able to access that for our conversation today. Um, I want to ask you, this phrase gender-balance, um, you, you, you write that um, Fortune 500 companies with more gender-balanced leadership teams outperform their peers. Let's start with a definition. What does gender balance mean, and what is a gender imbalance? Well, I like to define gender balance as the, the, level, of men, the, the uh, level of men and women in leadership and the understanding of leadership teams and the differences between men and women that is relevant to your business, your sector, your talent pool, and your customers. It doesn't necessarily mean Mm 50-50, but in most companies, it's closer to 50-50 than it is to the current 85-15 that we see in a lot of businesses. Mm -hmm. And so you're saying that gender balance has a relative context. In other words, if you're in an industry where there are very few women, you really might might not see that 50-50, but you might certainly do better than 15%, (laughs) right? Absolutely. That there's an actual benefit that's now been proven that more balance in leadership in any sector, even one where the, the customer argument is not the number one argument for balance, is still a performance enhancing Uh, tool. Mm -hmm. 
And you know, as you're talking, you know, I'm, I'm 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 drawn into my own experience. And and remember your point about the customer argument. Do you mean the argument that our customers are diverse and we need to be too? Yeah, except I avoid the. You know, I don't I don't think diversity is the right term for this. If eighty percent of your customers are women and eighty percent of your leaders are men, my first question is why, and does that make business sense? Great. Thank you. Um, so that is the next question, and we just have another minute before we take a break. But um, in the business context, what difference does this make? Tell us what you think. Why does this issue matter? Well, I think it matters for all the reasons that you've just said. If 60% of the talent in the world now is female and 80% of consumer goods purchasing decision uh, make, decisions are made by women, does it make sense? Does the current balance of leadership in the business world make sense? Is it actually effective? Or will companies do better? Will shareholders be happier if there's a, a slightly different balance? And I think most companies believe that the answer is increasingly yes. We have to balance to reflect our markets and the talent that is not tomorrow, but right actually now out there. Thank you very much. My guest today is Aviva Wittenberg-Cox, the CEO of the consultancy 21st and an expert on gender-balanced organizations. I'm Kate Ebner, and you're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life. We're going to take a break, and then we'll be right back to dig into this topic more. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. Do you want to take your organization to the next level? The Nebo Company develops leaders, teams, and organizations to achieve their highest potential. We provide executive and team coaching, leadership courses, mentor programs, and retreats tailored to the unique goals of your organization's leaders. With national reach, Nebo specializes in helping senior leaders to articulate a compelling vision, then develop the strategy, goals, and accountabilities that make the vision real. For more information, visit NeboCompany.com. Be sure to ask about our leadership and life curriculum. Again, that's NeboCompany.com. Leadership is a vital skill set in today's competitive global economy. Being a leader is not enough. To succeed, you must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills. Practical, actionable leadership insights are the focus of Leadership Development News, hosted each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, by Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler on the Voice America Business Channel. Doctors Greenberg and Nadler, who coach global leaders on how to be most effective, will share their insights and contacts. The path to leadership excellence begins here. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. We'd love to hear from you. Pick up your phone and call into 1-866-472-5790. That's 
866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to visionaryleader at nebocompany.com. Now, back to today's program. Welcome back. This is Kate, and I'm here with Aviva Wittenberg. When Aviva's not helping organizations to maximize the talent of their female employees and her, with her consulting firm, 21st, she contributes to the Harvard Business Review blog network and lectures at two different business schools in the Paris area. Highly recommend that you follow her work, particularly her blog, um, as a way of staying in touch with this perspective she's sharing with us. Aviva, right before the break, I used... Uh, word and that you really kind of flagged for me, and that was the word diversity. And I was talking about uh, sort of uh, women's um, uh, the, the advancement of women in the context of of a diversity or gender balancing in the context of diversity. And you kind of grabbed that. So I want to go back and ask you to say a little bit more about what concerns you about that that word when we're trying to talk about gender balance. I think in in this whole issue, vocabulary is unbelievably important for everybody. Mm -hmm. And I think this whole idea of gender diversity is an oxymoron. Um, It's not as if there are a million genders of which we have to build a diversity. If women today represent 60% of the talent and 80% of the market, who is calling who diverse? That is your future if you're a business, and it's a wild underestimation and serious problem of framing if you suggest that 60%, you know, the majority of the talents and the majority of your consumers are some kind of diversity element. I'm all for diversity. It's just gender should not be anywhere near that topic because it is today the majority of most businesses. And we one of the biggest issues in the work we do is reframing the topic oh, to be far more strategic. I so agree with you. And so would you then pull all the work to create gender balance out of the diversity and inclusion offices or departments of corporations? Absolutely. Interesting. Um, all, the, all the way up to the executive team. I, I, that's, yeah. that's who has to decide, is it strategic and important for their business, yes or no? And usually what I recommend is if you can replace the word Chinese by the word women and your policies still make sense, you're on the right track. If not, you know, then you're probably, <laughs> you're probably wandering off into uh, uh, another underestimation of the issue. Thank you. You just made a great point, which is we have to find this new language. We actually need to pay attention to the words that we use and the way that we talk about this. And I think we do grope for language here. So thank you for helping me with this. And I want to ask you now about something you've been quite outspoken about, and that's the effectiveness or lack of effectiveness of most companies' women's leadership initiatives. You wrote a blog post with a very to-the-point title on the Harvard Business Review site called Your Company Doesn't Need a Women's Network. What are the ways most organizations approach developing more senior leaders? And, and tell us your thoughts about why a women's network is not the answer. I think we need to recognize the time in which we're living. And 2014 is not the same as 1985. So I think we've moved on. I think women's networks maybe had their time. But today, uh, with the current balance in education and management, I think it's time to recognize that these women's networks are divisive. They remove women from 
working with the current uh, powers, um, power networks, and it's not very inclusive of men. So I think the whole issue in my mind has been one of fixing women. We've been stuck and mired for too long now in analyzing the lack of gender balance in senior roles as a problem of women. And so we focused all of our efforts on women through women's networks and leadership and coaching to, quote, empower women. Uh, I think it's time that we build the leadership skills and management skills that actually help everybody, men and women, to lead effectively across today's talent pool and today's customer base, which is mostly female. You know, there's so much running through my mind as I'm listening to you talk about that. And, um, you know, what what I really love to hear you say is it's really a call for us to look at the situation with um, current perspective instead of an outdated perspective focused on empowering and... and um, fixing uh, women, so sort of making the problem a problem of, of women learning how to play versus um, looking at the opportunity for the organization and for the system as a whole. Um, I wonder, I want to ask you from my own um, professional experience, doing a lot of work right now supporting um, the advancement of women in law firms, and that's a place where there hasn't been a lot of develop- leadership development um, historically, and there have not been even women's networks. Do you think this perspective about um, your company doesn't need a woman's network is uh, as is true in every sector? Do you see differences in terms of where uh, we are sector by sector, or, or would, you, would you take a more um, kind of universal stand across across industries? Uh, let me let, let me perhaps clarify that I'm extremely in support of women's networks externally to companies. So I think <laughs> no profession needs women's networks more than the legal sector, which <laughs> has 60% female graduates today mm-hmm. and around 10% female equity partners in most top law firms, which is a very curious imbalance that I think the partners of both law firms should be deeply concerned about and addressing themselves. Um, And I think that across uh, sectoral, external women's network would do a good job of lobbying those leaders to change the way they run their businesses Mm -hmm. or gender balance, I think would also contribute to their performance. But internal women's, internal women's networks inside companies tend to marginalize women and give men in those companies the impression that they are dealing with the issue when actually they're simply delegating it to women as though women were responsible for the imbalances. Mm, great Company, point. Companies get the balance they design, but it has to be designed by the leadership of a company, not by some smaller group in question that is currently out of power. One of the things that we, uh, uh, that here at the Nebo Company, we've done some uh, research-intensive projects looking at the whole system that, of the organization and how it um, 
how it leads to or doesn't lead to the advancement of women. And so taking a more systemic approach rather than a programmatic approach. And I want to ask you about that. I mean, what I hear you calling for is a systems approach. In other words, look at the system, design the system that will support the development, advancement, retention and advancement of women, um, the establishment of women in in the C-suite versus just taking a programmatic approach. Can you just say a little bit about that? Am I, am I, thinking uh, align is my thinking aligning with what you're saying uh in part yes and in part no in part absolutely that you know american companies in particular do so many things they're just not doing the right things so lists and lists of initiatives aimed at women for which they then win awards has created this very strange and ineffective system where everybody thinks they're doing the right thing. Women are thrilled to have them. Men are thrilled that they've, you know, addressing the issue, and it simply doesn't move. So I think it's time to revisit that, and I would suggest we could also rebrand our efforts. It's not about developing women into leadership. It's about developing balanced leadership because in some countries and companies there are too many women and not enough men and I would say that's true now in American campuses we don't want to see a new imbalance replace the old imbalance and I also find that generally inside organizations men are going to be much readier to work with us if you the goal is balance than if the goal is crudely put at just getting women into leadership thank you Great, clear statement. You know, um, tell me about the your thoughts about you know the book and movement by Sheryl Sandberg called "Lean In." How does that fit into this dynamic? Um, unhelpfully, because she is one of the most powerful women in America, who could have been. You know, as impactful as she is being, which is very, very nice, but on a slightly different message, which is, you know, women, as you just listed early in the program, have spent the last century leaning in. They're now more educated. They're better paid than men under the age of 30. They start more companies. They run uh, almost as many households. How much more do they have to lean in? It's now the issue really that we're facing is companies need to lean in. They need to adapt to a very new reality of who the talent is and who what their customers want. And I think if she had lent her voice, including at Facebook, to recognize that half of Facebook's users are women. They may want things that are not exactly the same as men. Why is she the only woman on that executive team? Why was she very late to be put as the only woman on that board? With all the advantages she has, um, rather than putting the onus again for another generation on women that they are responsible for the imbalances, I think it's much, would have been extraordinarily helpful to have women in power point their finger more clearly at where responsibility lies, which is the people currently in power. It's up to them to understand the benefits of balance and then create it. You know, we only have a minute left before we take another break. Um, and I, I want to sort of ask a minute-sized question, I guess. So <laughs> let me think about this. But, you know, one of the things you said a moment ago that kind of intrigued me was you said uh, finding out what women want, you know. And is it your sense that if we really were to create a gender-balanced 
workplace that uh, that the, the the workplace itself would be different as a result of that. that as a result of you know that this could lead to, as you said in the very beginning of our show, radical change. Yes, absolutely. I think workplaces that where um, that have worked hard on these issues and where women are generally happier, it's not only women that are happier, it's humans that are happier. What mm-hmm. women have brought to the workplace is the decompartmentalization of personal and professional spheres. They try to integrate them. They're allowed to talk about both. They're allowed to exist as human beings, something that for the last century, tailorization and modern early 20th century management eliminated pretty effectively. Mm -hmm. My guest today, Aviva Wittenberg-Cox, is an expert on women's leadership. She's actually an expert on gender balance, and she's appearing today (laughs) to really have a conversation with us to help us catch up with her. So we'll be right back after this break. This is Kate Ebner. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Do you want to take your organization to the next level? The Nebo Company develops leaders, teams, and organizations to achieve their highest potential. We provide executive and team coaching, leadership courses, mentor programs, and retreats tailored to the unique goals of your organization's leaders. With national reach, Nebo specializes in helping senior leaders to articulate a compelling vision, then develop the strategy, goals, and accountabilities that make the vision real. For more information, visit NeboCompany.com. Be sure to ask about our leadership and life curriculum. Again, that's NeboCompany.com. Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it will be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. We'd love to hear from you. Pick up your phone and call into 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to visionaryleader at nebocompany.com. Now, back to today's program. Welcome back. I'm Kate Ebner. This is Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life, and I'm here today with Aviva Wittenberg-Cox, founder and CEO of 21st, a consulting firm that helps CEOs and other leaders build gender-balanced organizations. We are learning so much today, a whole new vocabulary, a whole new framing, really, of um, 
of the possibilities of 21st century workplace. And I want to, um, I want to just pause for a moment on the conversation we had right before the break. And um, Aviva, one of the things that I want to ask you, just as a reflection that came to me during the break, was if, tell us the difference. You know, um, you're going into a, a, say, a U.S. corporation that really wants to improve its gender balance, but but has come at it from this women's leadership initiative approach previously, versus maybe starting fresh in another culture where the organization is also dedicated to gender balance but doesn't have this um, previous frame what what's what do you find particularly in you know if we were just just take gender balance as the goal um without all of that what would we do you start with new eyes i've never yet met you know an executive team of a global company where in 30 seconds you just ask them, you know, does it make any sense to call 60% of the talent pool and 80% of your consumers a diversity element and you really want to develop a, a woman's leadership program? I said, you really want, they get very, very fast that this is not a woman's issue, that this is a major business imperative for the 21st century and that they themselves have much to learn and their need to enhance their own leadership skills to understand the size of the issue, the opportunity that it opens in terms of better reaching customers and better managing the majority of the talent coming in. It, it's not rocket science. It's just that very often that conversation has not happened at the right level in most companies because it's been delegated too early on, too low into organizations. Mm. So, you know, you um, have you know written extensively about this, and you also write on your website that gender balance requires particular leadership skills. Let's talk for a moment about that. What are those skills? Well, again, I always say if you could replace the word women by the word Chinese, there is no company on the planet that's going to approach China without learning something about Chinese language, Chinese culture, how many Chinese there are, how many Chinese you want among your consumers. That's exactly the same thing for gender. A lot of companies simply don't understand the culture of women, their language, how they prefer getting their services, what is their online and offline behavior, does it differ from that of men, and what is the gender breakdown of their customers? I work in a lot of male-dominated sectors that haven't yet ever thought they had to measure. Hmm. So part of what is required if you really want to achieve this goal of gender balance is a willingness to measure and to, to do the, to, to un- first learn and, uh, and, and then track, it sounds like. First learn, then track, and then become comfortable and able to communicate and get the best out of both genders, whether as talent or as building relationships with consumers. Uh, And that does require a certain amount of uh, self-questioning, comfort with the whole issue, familiarity with the numbers and the statistics and the trends all across the world because it's changing very, very quickly in almost every single country of the planet. And 
an appetite and uh, a positive frame that this is actually a source of opportunity for your company, as opposed to the way it's so often seen, particularly in Anglo-Saxon countries, as you know, a problem, a headache, an affirmative action, body count, head counting, part-time issues, diversity, lawsuits, um, class action problems, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Hmm. Can you tell us perhaps an example of a company that has taken this on and, you know, give us a, a story of, of what happened when they went about um, correcting gender balance? Well, you can always tell the companies we've, we've worked with because they never, use, they never say the word women again. Yes. Um, they generally have leaders who talk about, um, who, who become what we call very gender bilingual they make sure that their own behavior and their own language is equally aspirational to men and women, both inside the company, but also externally as stakeholders and consumers. So um, that requires speaking much more about talent, about market opportunity, about being very familiar with what the differences between genders are. There's a lot of new gender science out there. Um, the internet is exploding in terms of the kind of research and fine-tuning we can do about what male and female preferences are. Um, and it's a source of enormous um, advantage. And you can see it in companies because generally they're, they then do gender balance uh, their own teams relatively quickly. And nobody talks anymore about promoting women, they all talk about reflecting talent pools and customer bases, and they do it. And they do it in a relatively uh, calm and enthusiastic way as opposed to what I call kind of a divisive um, gender wars kind of feeling in a lot of companies. How do you, how do you um, make the case for your approach we find that actually it's not very hard. To, it's not very hard to make the it, particularly if we're talking to senior levels. I think um, seeing senior executive teams get this pretty fast because they're used to looking fairly long term and fairly strategically. And if you show them the trends that are going on in the world today, they almost immediately get it that this mm-hmm. is not a nice to have. This is do or die. That's a comment. I got mm-hmm. just again last week. You know, they they are not generally, in my experience, familiar with all the data, and they certainly aren't familiar with it on a global level. Once they are, it's overwhelmingly obvious that you can't ignore this phenomenon. And it's just I think that this subject has not been brought up in sufficiently robust, strategic way to the right people and let them have a discussion with their own peers about what they want to do about it and what it means for their own business. Mm-hmm. I'm curious of you, what is the reaction of uh, people, of women in organizations to what you're saying? Depends a little bit on age, I find, mm-hmm. and experience. So. Immediately, the over 40 crowd kind of gets it because they've been around the women's network phenomenon for a good part of their careers and are incredibly frustrated at the lack of progress that they've often seen in their own organizations. It's also a question of seniority 
the higher up you are, you tend to better understand the organizational realities within your organization, and you're better able to understand how important it is to get leadership aligned and the systemics working for you. The younger you are, women tend to push back because they really, really appreciate some of the more women's oriented programs that companies have put into place um, because they happen to be in their 30s and are facing one of the crucial decades for women, which is how to balance the whole work-life issue, children, and the big personal choices that tend to hit in the early 30s among ambitious women. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Um, Well, I'm curious about... um, you know, the new book that you've written. Um, I'd love to hear you talk just for a moment about um, what, what what that book is about and what it offers to organizations. Uh, this book is called Seven Steps to Leading a Gender-Balanced Business, and it really focuses now on the leadership issue at stake and what leaders have to do. Um, and it won't surprise you to hear that the first chapter is called Reframe the Debate. No. <laughs> Very good. Uh, and and the other key message is you have to focus on your majority. We have to stop fixing women and we have to start f- fixing the organizational issues and the majority in power. So if you have 80% men at the top, you really want to be engaging and working with them to find a solution to how to gender balance. You have to equip them with the competencies um so that they are able to do it. Too many companies just hand out targets and tell managers to go. They do not know how to gender balance until they've received a little bit of awareness building and education on what it actually means and how to do it, particularly in certain countries. And they really have something to learn. It's a leadership skill, this bilingual leadership for the 21st century. And again, the third section is to get the systems to match. And mm-hmm. I think you've talked a lot about the workplace issues. So there's a whole side of sort of reviewing HR talent management approaches to make sure they're also gender bilingual. But the other half of the equation is the sales and marketing teams um, that a lot of people don't pair up with this topic. It's also about customers and are you really speaking bilingually to your customers? Are you making the most of 100% of the potential market out there? And if for the moment you know, you're a very male-oriented industry, you probably can get some business growth out of introducing a more bilingual approach. This, uh, this concept of a bilingual approach, um, you know, do you actually teach this language, this bilingual approach? Absolutely. I mean, it's it's already out there in the market. Generally, it's very easy to teach. Well, all I have to do is show a series of advertisements aimed at men, a series of advertisements aimed at women. You get the difference pretty quickly. A lot of companies have become very expert at doing these sort of extreme masculine and extreme feminine. What very few companies have become good at is addressing both at the same time in a more bilingual way. And I think that's where the, the most progressive companies will be heading next. 
Hmm. That's a great challenge. It's a great, great invitation um, to, to those who are listening to think about how your company is approaching this and what you can learn about reframing from this conversation we're having here today and from Aviva's body of work. Um, it's coming up on another break, you know, and um, finding that as the sour flies by, Aviva, I myself would love to take a class with you and learn more. Um, <laughs> So I want to I want to take our break. When we come back, I'd love to just um, circle back around to uh, how to um, get started. If you're interested in in learning more, how to uh, think about. Uh, the future that we're creating and how the way we language it, the way that we frame it shapes that future. Um, and then finally, would like to just even have you um, have you give us a few words of wisdom about um, how to get from wherever our listeners are to to the to the vision that you can see. So we're going to take the break. When we come right back, we're going to wrap up. My conversation is with Aviva Wittenberg Cox. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. Do you want to take your organization to the next level? The Nebo Company develops leaders, teams, and organizations to achieve their highest potential. We provide executive and team coaching, leadership courses, mentor programs, and retreats tailored to the unique goals of your organization's leaders. With national reach, Nebo specializes in helping senior leaders to articulate a compelling vision, then develop the strategy, goals, and accountabilities that make the vision real. For more information, visit NeboCompany.com. Be sure to ask about our leadership and life curriculum. Again, that's NeboCompany.com. Hi, I'm Ed Krell, CEO of Destination Maternity. We proudly support the March of Dimes work to reduce the rate of premature birth. The numbers have gone down in the past five years, but still, nearly half a million babies are born too soon in the United States each year. We're helping the March of Dimes fund cutting-edge research and community programs to help more moms have full-term pregnancies and healthy babies. Join us in working together for stronger, healthier babies. Visit MarchofDimes.com. Save on your prescriptions with the RX Savings Plus Drug Discount Card offered by Voice America. It is not insurance and discounts are only available from participating pharmacies. But 9 out of 10 pharmacies participate nationwide. Start saving today. Print your free card online at voiceamerica.rxsavingsplus.com or text the word Talk Radio to 96362. You're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. We'd love to hear from you. Pick up your phone and call into 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to visionaryleader at nebocompany.com. Now, back to today's program. Hello again and welcome back. Today, we've been talking about gender balance, gender imbalance, um, women's leadership, 
um, as a, a concept and perhaps as a flawed approach when it comes to what companies are doing with their initiatives uh, around women's leadership. We've been really looking at the powerful concept of gender balance and as a new frame for thinking about what we should be building and designing for the future. My guest, Aviva Wittenberg-Cox, has been really challenging me, and I think probably you too, um, in the way that we think about this. Um, Aviva, I want to address the women out there who may be listening and feeling a little discouraged. Um, Maybe their company isn't particularly enlightened on this issue, and they want the problem of gender balance to be addressed. I know we've just discussed why the onus shouldn't be on women alone to climb the ranks into top leadership. But I wonder what advice you would have for women who are listening and who want to bring this issue up in their organization. And let's just say for women and men who are listening and want to bring this issue up in their organization. Yeah, that's exactly what I was say because I think men have as much to win from more gender-balanced organizations as women do. And I think that's maybe the first step is to get both uh, the women already involved to understand how can we make this a win-win proposition that is inclusive of 100% of the uh, employees and find allies, build, um, rebrand women's networks towards balance networks mm-hmm. or, or 21st leadership networks or whatever you want to frame it, but frame it more inclusively to include both men and women because there is many men now who would also be voting for uh, gender balance, particularly in the younger generations as women. It just makes for better workplaces. And harness the power of both uh, complementary voices to lobby for change upwards. And I think that's a question of learning how to use the political realities inside organizations to kind of draw a line. I think a lot of women need to learn to say no. You know, no, we don't want a women's network. We want real change. And we'll lobby for it and learn how to lobby for it with all the expertise we can find. And I would go out and get advice of senior leaders on how do you really affect change in organizations. Find sponsors who are willing to work with you. If that doesn't work, if your internal reality is too difficult, then you go externally and you find you create networks Externally, and there they can be women's networks that lobby across industries. And I, I would definitely think the legal profession is a great one to start with um, that really set up metrics to measure and reward the companies that are doing well and to make very public those that aren't because when they're trying to attack 100% of the best talent, Young men and women should know very clearly what firms are going to be gender balanced and what aren't. It's going to be a huge selling point going forward. Thank you. Um, I I like how you said, especially about um, coming together, men and women, and and developing allies in a strategy that will be uh, realistic and, and suit their political reality, their internal organizational reality, but, but maybe demonstrating that kind of solidarity around this as an imperative. Um, as, as you are uh, doing this work, you know, it's clear to me that you can see something that most people haven't thought of or can't yet see. And I want to ask you the vision question, which is one that our show is all about is, is, you know, we would like to have people like you come Aviva who see something and can 
share it with us so that we can see it too. And I think when we can see it, we can make it happen. So I want to I wanna just invite you to share with us your vision. I'm sure it's a vision of a gender-balanced uh, organization or workplace or world. But um, go ahead if, if, and think to the future. You know, if, if, if it goes the way you'd like it to go, what would it look like? Well, I have I have four I have two short acronyms of my vision. Uh, one is the change at stake, and I call it the four W's: women, web, world, and weather. I think those are the big 21st century discontinuities: the technological revolution, the massive arrival of women into economic and political roles. Uh, the whole issue of climate change and the massive rebalancing of the world into a much more balanced, global, multipolar reality. And my vision on the promise of gender balance is at what I call the three C's. There's three different levels I always think of this on. Countries, companies, and couples. I think at every level, gender balance contributes competitiveness, quality of life and personal fulfillment and enjoyment for both not only men and women as adults but for every child on the planet we desperately need to have more balance thank you very much thank you that's very uh, clear and and inspiring and and uh, amazing to think that setting this as a goal, gender balance as a goal could actually balance so much more than than careers and uh, organizational decision making and, and all of those things that that come that are affected by it. Um, you know, we have a few more minutes left, and I want to go back to the, your story, Aviva. Um, you kind of came into this work um, since like for ten years. You've been really running a very unique type of consulting firm. There really aren't others who are doing many others who are doing the type of work you're doing, and I. I'm curious about you as as a as a leader um, in this particular um, stream of of effort. You know, what is it like to be a pioneer at this time in this in this gender balance work? <laughs> Somebody asked you that the other day. There's a one word answer. It's called lonely. <laughs> um, you know, because for the first five years of any kind of um, effort like this, everybody thinks you're a little bit wacky or, you know, or you get, um, luckily, I've always been supported by highly progressive CEOs who really believed the message and agreed with me very early on. That gave me a lot of courage and um, self-confidence that I wasn't completely crazy. Um, Then the tide kind of catches up with you inevitably and then you realize that the challenge is one of scale. You know, how can you get the message out fast enough to enough people to really get others to join in your efforts um, and update? And I think that's hap- I, I really do see that happening in the last two or three years. There's much, much more talk about engaging men, making this a leadership issue, um, and turning bilingualism into a true 21st century competency. Aviva, how do you assess your own effectiveness, your own success? You know, and I, I, I say that question with tongue in cheek, actually, because I know as a, that from a, from a visionary leadership perspective, 
it's all a grand experiment with huge outcomes along the way. But as you're as you're as you're endeavoring toward this future that you've described for us, you know, how do you know you're on track? Uh, I I think it's um, very much like the literature on leadership. It's about followership. I think is it a message that resonates with who? And as long as I uh, believe and am inspired by the people who choose to work with me, then I believe that I'm on the right track. I don't. You don't generally need too many followers, but you need to be able to respect them and then be mutually inspired by them, so that they give you confidence to believe in yourself. And I've been very, very lucky in some of the people who've believed in me and and supported this vision and, and made it happen. I'm not the one who makes it happen. They are, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm the one that lights the spark. You are the one who lights the spark. Well, you've really uh, got me thinking, that's for sure. And I want to say thank you for being on our show today. You've given us all a lot to think about, and I think the spark is lit. I cannot wait until your book, Seven Steps to Leading Gender-Balanced Businesses, um, comes out, and certainly would love to continue the conversation with you. Thank you so much for joining me, Aviva. My great pleasure. It's been a real, real pleasure talking with you. Thank you. Have a great week, everyone. We sincerely hope you've enjoyed hearing from leaders who are using vision to create an inspiring future. Please join host Kate Ebner for another edition of Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life next Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Business Channel. Meanwhile, visit www.nebocompany.com for more tips on bringing your own vision to life. Do you want to take your organization to the next level? The Nebo Company develops leaders, teams, and organizations to achieve their highest potential. We provide executive and team coaching, leadership courses, mentor programs, and retreats tailored to the unique goals of your organization's leaders. With national reach, Nebo specializes in helping senior leaders to articulate a compelling vision, then develop the strategy, goals, and accountabilities that make the vision real. For more information, visit NeboCompany.com. Be sure to ask about our leadership and life curriculum. Again, that's NeboCompany.com.